Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I have developed the view over a long period of review that when the Apostle Paul says, God works in all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to God's purpose, Paul is giving advice on the approach to take to life's difficulties and disappointments that we encounter along the way. Paul was reflecting on the life of Joseph, the son of the patriarch, who told his brothers at the end of the twists and turns of his own life that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Paul uses that story to generalize about the nature of adverse experiences in the Christian life when he said that God works in all things for, the, for good. I myself have always tried to find a good outcome in my difficult experiences, in those sudden turns in the road of our lives that seem to go nowhere, I look for the good. I had one such experience this week. Perhaps you have had your fair share and they have not been mere minor inconveniences. God does work in all of them for our good. Today, we explore the good in the difficulties of life. I made a trip from Kitwe, where I live in Zambia, to the capital city of Lusaka. Along the way, which is picturesque, well-vegetated and flat, I formed the view that one has not really seen Zambia until one has been to Lusaka. The city of Lusaka has 3 million people and is everything as modern, urban as anywhere else. I would not say it is a modern and efficient city. There are not many skyscrapers and no electric trains in Lusaka. What I would say is that Lusaka has achieved is that the ordinary citizen of Lusaka, the ordinary Zambian, lives with dignity, which is saying a lot. Even the fruit and vegetable vendors selling along the roadways have a dignity, dignity that is palpable. The verges are clean and well-maintained. Their stalls, if they have them, are neat and tidy and above all clean. Garbage is collected in Lusaka. There are not the mountains of plastic and non-recyclable recyclable solid waste or garbage in the drains in Lusaka that one sees in Kitwe, for example. The people look a proud and dignified lot. I took the Euro-Africa bus from Kitwe to Lusaka. It is a seven hour journey and 
the bus is the same European bus that the JUTC uses in Jamaica for its executive coaches. It is a comfortable and air-conditioned ride. The bus stops in Cabway, a town about two-thirds of the way of the journey, for 10 minutes and only 10 minutes. All 56 seated passengers are asked to disembark and to get refreshments or to use the bathroom if needed and return to the bus in 10 minutes. Otherwise, they will be left and the bus gone. As we all disembarked to purchase for 35 kachwa, the a meal of chicken and chips warmed in a microwave oven complete with carrot and sweet pepper and onion wrapped in a styrofoam container, and then returned to the bus having relieved ourselves. It costs four kachwa to relieve yourself, but it could not have been more efficiently done, even if it were done by the military itself. My trip to Lusaka was successful. I received my printed ID card, with that is my work permit from immigration department. It took 15 minutes after my seven hour journey. The officer was courteous and pleasant and efficient. And I was out of there being helped, having been helped by everyone I asked for help in no time. I was picked up at the bus station and transported for my entire two days in Lusaka by my favorite second year UCZU student, Jeffrey Chiwala and Timothy Mwape. I have introduced you to Jeffrey before in this forum. He was a wonderful host in Lusaka. After taking me to the immigration department, he took me to a lodge where I found lodging for the night. He of course took me to his home to meet his wife, Maria, and then to a lovely rustic spot called Shankan Lodge. It was 400 kwacha for the night, including breakfast. It was clean and had a most wonderful balcony overlooking a ravine. There was an African building made of a thatch roof that I think is worthwhile architecture to, ex to be exported if only Africa had a bit more self-belief. After securing the lodge, Jeffrey took me to, and to see another lodge, a bit more pricey and on a game reserve. When we got there, it was after 13 hours uh, when the elephants turned in for the evening. The other big games were also not available. The last tour began at 16 hours and we got there closer to 18 hours. But what we did see where antelopes are plenty, as usual, impalas, the rare and beautiful spotted deer, water bucks and sables. We saw guinea hens and peacocks are plenty, and we saw warthogs. We did not enter the elephant nursery. It was already closed for the evening. I wanted to go to the other lodge that had big cats like lions and others but it was alas too late for in the afternoon to be able to see them. Our meal for that day was nothing elaborate, but from the deli at Shoppies supermarket, a South African chain that is all over Zambia. And with that, it was time to retire for bed after a shower, of course. It rained all night. The morning after was cool and beautiful. The premises lovely and the lodge was served for breakfast of scrambled eggs and tea to my room. 
I sat on the porch overlooking the, the premises and the ravine. It was marvelous. My early morning meeting was with the administrative secretary of the United Church of Zambia, a lovely man, courteous to a fault and an institutional linchpin, Mr. Rogers Nambi. Any doubt that I had that the UCZ was unimpressive or unsophisticated institution was laid to rest when I saw the headquarters. It was an impressive commercial building. It had four floors. On the top floor, the tenants are the Higher Education Scholarship and Loan Board, which is a government department. Half of this first floor is occupied by the Gynecology Association of Zambia and the rest of the building is the chapel and offices of the UCZ. Mr. Gambi, Mr. Nambi was kind enough to give me a tour and to introduce me to the staff at hand. I met the telecommunications secretary who is coming to Jamaica as a mission partner, he tells me. He's arriving on January 4th to serve at the IUC in Jamaica. He's an impressive man. I had heard him preach before when he delivered the sermon at the reception for the Bishop of the Copper, Copper, Copper Belt, the Reverend Dr. Charles. We exchanged notes briefly before my very efficient meeting with Mr. Nambi about matters of creature comfort to do with my stay in Zambia, including the vexed matter of my transportation. Mr. Nambi apologized for any inconvenience I had experienced and restated their commitment to having me there and the willingness to smooth out any difficulty. He told me of their very concrete plans on the way and insisted that I come to Lusaka a day earlier than I had planned to on my way to Jamaica the following weekend and insisted that they cover my lodging and transportation and meal while I am there. It struck me that if one has to do to have one of these jobs that Mr. Roger Nambi has, Mr. Roger Nambi is the embodiment of how it should be performed. I left feeling that my troubles were not worth it. Jeffrey, who waited for me downstairs and was on hand to take me to shop for souvenirs and deliver me to a go to the bus depot was on hand. He had, of course, as always, his own plans as to how I should spend the morning. I bought a couple of souvenirs from the UCZ bookstore at the ground floor of the building, including chetengas and scarf and two lovely bags um, with maps of Africa on them. The lady who sold them to me told me she made them herself. We passed State House and the Supreme Court and also the Bank of Zambia on Jeffrey's tour of Lusaka. I had not known before that this was Black Friday and that it was marked with abandon by Zambians. I believe that the merchants there are trying to build an expectation of deals on Black Friday. The young lady in a store told me when I tried to get um, a Mandela shirt for my son-in-law that it was 600 kwacha normally, to, but today, Black Friday, it was 500 kwacha. All 3 million people of the city appear to have been out on that day 
and every car in Lusaka was on the road. Jeffrey was intent on showing me Lusaka one shop at a time. I kept saying that we need to get to the transportation center to get my bus back to Pitre, which would leave between 13 and 14 hours. The gridlock grew worse and worse. Finally, Jeffrey stopped the car and said, take everything out of the car. I thought it was a safety precaution to prevent someone from breaking into the car while we were gone. Then he walked me through the Zambian equivalent of Vendon Plaza. And finally I inquired, where were we going? Then he explained that he had done the calculation. With the gridlock, we cannot make it to the bus station on time. So he has decided to walk and these are the shortcuts. I can only say that we face the same development challenges all over the two-thirds world. Our commerce is with other people's goods, including their dump goods, their second-hand clothes and shoes, their pretty colors made in, made, uh, in their pretty colors in dresses in other people's shape, not like African women. We made our way through the meandering pathway, the dump site, the railway lanes, and so on. Finally, when we arrived at the bus stop, my buses were long gone. We scrambled to find a bus to Kitwe, which as Jeffrey said, but I did not quite understand at the time, we'll go all the way to Kitwe. We waited at the exit of the transportation center to grab a bus already loaded and on the way. We did not yet know but the bus will stop wherever they are when 20 hours or 10 o'clock meets them. We got on the bus with every seat taken, 70 passengers on board, including my seat. And off we went in a fast, rough, but struggling with the traffic journey. It was minutes to 17 or five o'clock when we set out. We were always at risk. Once it was explained to me about the 10 o'clock deadline, I did the calculations over and over again in my mind. When we got to Kabwe, and then to Kapiri, and then to Mpongwe, and finally to Endola, I convinced myself that when we left the Endola bus station and the passengers disembarked, that the next stop was Kitwe for the 30 or so of us remaining on board the bus. And then I noticed that the bus detoured and came to a halt. The driver vacated his seat and the bus was no longer moving. No one said anything. I thought certainly if they intended to leave us here for the night, they would say something and the people on board would make holes of protest, but no one said anything. We were just there Finally, my Jamaican-ness got the better of me and I got up from my seat at the back of the bus and made my way to the door. I went outside. There were four women standing there and one man. I put my English and Bemba to test. What is happening? I inquired up to the man. He simply said, we will resume the journey at zero four hours. So what? Are we going to do? He said, sleep if you want. We resume at zero 
four hours. This meant four in the morning, and it was now 11.30 at night. As they say, 23 and a half hours. I spent three kachwa to use the bathroom there and return to my seat. By this time, my phone battery was dead, and so I could not call anyone. So the option of complaining did not exist. I did not sleep. The couple before me were talking as if they were in their bedroom, indifferent to the rest of the world. And someone was playing soap opera on their cell phone. The time passed relatively quickly. While I was trying to work, what purpose God might have for this delay and this inconvenience? At zero four hours, the driver returned and without saying a word, set out on the resumed journey. I got to Kitwe at 0530 hours. I got a waiting taxi and I was home by 06 hours and all my possessions intact. The first thing I told myself is that we have developed a view of life, that it ought not to include these inconveniences, disappointments and difficulties along the way. It is a wrong view of life. All that my four hours sleep in a bus in Indola was, was a minor inconvenience that will soon be forgotten. I think we have developed attitudes and approaches to life that are misplaced and just plain wrong. I was the only person who appeared to notice the inconvenience in Indola. I think it is my Western upbringing. People in Zambia do not readily complain. It is not their default option. The other day I took a taxi and a bus driver blocked his path as he was exiting a lane. He simply said to me, I will reverse and make way for him. It will cost me nothing. And he did just that, a long reverse and made way for the unreasonable truck driver. And as the truck driver passed, he said to me, see, it costs me nothing, no quarrel, no confrontation. And off we went. Would to God that I could bottle that attitude and take it back to Jamaica. It would do us a world of good. It is not docility, no. It is a philosophy of patience in life. We worry ourselves about too much. When I rolled into bed at zero six hours on Saturday morning, I reflected on my trip to Lusaka, the opportunities and pride I felt to see an African society appear to work well to see how organized the UCZ and its building, the building they had built as an investment project and all the troubles of the way back to Kitwe. And I asked myself, why should not life include both the good and the bad? Who says we are entitled to anything else? I am fine and I'm better for the experience. God works in all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. Amen.